0: In terms of the mentorship program, I think experience is key, but it also has to be partnered with empathy. Just having someone that's willing to give their time and listen to what has or hasn't gone well and then provide that empathy and that support in maybe how to rectify that or maybe something that's happened well for them. Just giving that structure, I think, would just be invaluable in a mentoring program, especially at this early start for enablement. Welcome to the State of Sales Enablement Podcast with your host, Felix Kruger. Insights and actionable advice from B2B marketing and sales experts that share what it takes to achieve sales enablement excellence.
1: Sales enablement has evolved to be one of the fastest growing business trends globally. With this growth comes a growing number of new talent wanting to pursue the noble profession that is sales enablement. Our guest in this episode is part of the new generation of enablers and provides a unique insight into her journey and her recommendations for senior leaders on how to best nurture new sales enablement talent. Please welcome Gardner's Rosie Young. Rosie, welcome to the State of Sales Enablement.
0: Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. I really appreciate you inviting me onto this podcast. Great to have
1: you on the show and you are quite present in the sales enablement community, but There still might be some people that don't know you. So what is your background and what do you do now?
0: Yeah, I have had quite a strange mix of experience so far, honestly. Lots of changes and I'm still fairly early in my career. So TBC and what the future holds there. But I think the first thing to know about me is that I'm actually a qualified teacher in the UK. I did my PGCE and my teacher training for anyone in the UK. I did that in about the early 2010s. And I taught for a few years before making the leap to the corporate world and sales. And I actually worked for a publishing company in their sales space and then went into tech sales as an individual contributor at Gartner. After a few successful years there, achieving winner circles, targets and everything, I actually went into the enablement space off the back of that, or sales learning and development, as it's called at Gartner. And I've been here ever since. So it's been a bit of a twisty-turny career path so far, which I've honestly, I think is probably more common than not. I don't know many people who graduate and then go, I want to go into sales enablement, although I'm sure they exist somewhere, but definitely wasn't my career path, so to speak.
1: I appreciate that. My mother actually, uh, used to be a teacher for 40 years and well, I do appreciate the kind of mindset that you developed that can also be useful for other areas in business. I think teaching is not necessarily directly only correlated to training, which might be the lowest hanging fruit and making that connection. But I think the empathy that you need to have as a teacher and the sort of growth mindset, I think that's pretty much invaluable in any area, really, but also in self-enablement in particular.
0: Yeah. And I will say your mum during 40 years, she's certainly got more longevity than I did in that career. So <laughs> massive respect to her.
1: <laughs> that's right. Maybe she's got a few more years in her in sales enablement. We'll see. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's never too late. <laughs>
1: That's right. That's right. So what appealed to you about sales enablement when you decided to pursue the noble profession that it is?
0: It is a very noble profession. Completely agree. Honestly, I really miss the coaching and training aspect of teaching, even though I only did it for a small amount of time. It's something that stuck with me since. And I just remember my students, their light bulb moments just going off and I loved sales and I loved business. And as much as I loved working with some really amazing clients and I learned a hell of a lot about successful selling and how to conduct business with large organizations, I really miss seeing that light bulb moment. I miss the coaching. I miss seeing other people flourish and achieve. And again, maybe it was a nod to my teaching career. Maybe it's just the kind of personality that I have. I'm quite a bubbly extrovert. But I always say to anyone who will listen to me that I always get so much more satisfaction about seeing the salespeople that I support achieve more than I ever really cared about my own deals, as kind of taboo as that is to say. I remember my manager when I was in IC, I mean, the most patient man in the world, and he was actively trying to get me excited about deals that I'd brought in. And it was always a little bit like, meh. But now, when I see my new hires and my tenured salespeople just absolutely crush it and achieve their yearly targets or their president's clubs or whatever it might be, honestly, it brings me so much more joy. I feel like kind of a proud mama bear when I see their achievements crop up, especially at this time of year. And honestly, I think it's probably the wider impact that I would have on the sales teams as a enablement professional that initially appealed to me about making the jump. But this level of pride and job satisfaction has been a really unexpected but wonderful consequence when i decided to pursue enablement
1: That's awesome. I could totally empathize with that. I think if you like people and you see the people that you are helping succeed, i think there's a great satisfaction in that. I agree.
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: So those are the positives, but what are some of the things you wish you knew earlier about the sales enablement job? So, imagine some People wanting to pursue a sales enablement career listening now, what should they know about sales enablement as a profession?
0: Honestly, I think how varied it is, even within one single company. I think a lot of people when they hear enablement, they have an idea in their head about what it might involve. But there are so many definitions and ideas about what it actually means. And this can differ from company to company. You know, is it training and onboarding, program management, product marketing, data and business analysis? Is facilitation an aspect or is there a separate team of LD practitioners that should own that? If we take an example of my current role and, and what I do at Gartner, um, I act as a facilitator, but I also create onboarding programs and the tenured workshops and plays and sales personas there. In some companies, that would be considered enablement. In others, probably not so much. And Sometimes enablement's a lot more technical in focus, So dealing with like things like tech stacks and resources, as you know, but those are one category of enablement. But even when we consider all of these different areas, there are also so many different types of enablement within that. So revenue enablement, customer enablement, buyer enablement. We've got enablement for tenured reps, SDRs, people that are brand new to the business, brand new to the industry. There's just so much more to consider when you're building out enablement. There's so much to consider. And I just wish I knew just how broad the areas and definitions were before I went into it. Because I think being a specialist is good, but having a very clear focus about which kind of enablement you want to specialize in would have been really helpful.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think what a lot of, or what I see, especially younger sales enablers underestimate is how much they can actually mold their role and design their role in a way that fits the business and fits them so i think there's a lot of potential in enablement to interpret the role in different ways and to tackle it a different way because it's such a strategic function within a business it's not as set in stone as other operational roles might be so i think that's something that i certainly see yeah in terms of your development as a sales enabler what do you do to continuously learn and develop in your profession?
0: It's a really great question and it's actually one of my new year goals. So something that I want to develop a lot more in 2022 on top of what I've learned so far this year, even I typically read a lot of articles and thoughts from enablement pros on LinkedIn. So John Moore, Britta, Stephanie, people like that, especially those who have been in the field for a few years plus. I'm also a member of some really great communities. So the women in sales enablement WhatsApp group for London has been fantastic and the sales enablement society. And I think John Moore also set up, I don't know if this is secret, he alluded to the fact that I was like the first to be invited or one of the pilot group, but I know there's a new sales enablement Slack channel and that's been incredibly useful so far. If only for me to meet new people and to see just how broad enablement is. I also found a lot of value in some of the sales enablement pro content, which I believe is hosted by Highspot. And hearing from sales leaders on the front line is also really interesting, especially trying to understand what's actually important to reps right now. So I absolutely adore Josh Braun. I'll send clips of him and his LinkedIn posts to my reps and to my new hires all the time. What I will say to any new enabler is just to learn the basics well. There are a lot of great resources out there that are either free or just don't cost too much. But then I think as we alluded to before, just have an open mind that things might change over time, especially as enablement is such a new concept to a lot of companies. I think you just have to have a continuous learning mindset in this role.
1: That's right. In terms of cheap resources, I think what a lot of people also forget sometimes is that You can actually claim a lot of things through your company. Yeah. And if you can't, you can claim it on tax. So (laughs) (laughs) there's always a way to get access to cheap resources. And there's so many great books out there from sales enablers as well. Mm -hmm. A lot of ground has already been covered that you don't need to recover and you don't need to reinvent the wheel.
0: Yeah.
1: People have made all the mistakes that can be made. And I think there's a lot of sources out there that you can learn from. Absolutely. In terms of mindset, I think that's something that especially people starting out in sales and enablement might be struggling with, and imposter syndrome is a common one. Have you ever dealt with imposter syndrome, and especially when dealing with more senior peers within your business, and how did you deal with that?
0: Oh, Absolutely. I, I mean, I've still got imposter syndrome. I have imposter syndrome just doing this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> when you initially asked me, I was like, really? <laughs> I think it was a lot worse at the beginning. Obviously there's always an element of imposter syndrome when a, you go into something new to you, but also you set out in a relatively new space in itself, especially one with a very unclear definition, as I mentioned earlier. As I said before, enablement means so many things to so many different companies. But honestly, what helped me is researching and taking courses to improve my opportunity areas. And I'll give an example here. So I'm not that confident with data. My partner is not only the most patient man in existence, but he's actually also a chief data officer. So it's hilarious that that is one of my true weaknesses. I was never good at maths as a child. And I know that it's a component of sales enablement. And I can read very high level data sets and take some context from it and understand where we need to improve. But it's definitely an area that I need to work on in order to be confident in presenting numbers and metrics back. So it was fairly recently I took one of the free sales courses or sales enablement courses on saleshood. I think it was the sales enablement leadership course. And I saw Laurie Schrager talk through revenue outcomes and reading data. And I think even just hearing her breakdown, which metric types we should be looking at in terms of recording and communicating outcomes was hugely beneficial. I will also say there are so many kind individuals in enablement who will help if you ask. Big shout out to Crystal. I know she appeared on your podcast a few months ago, but she and herself has been absolutely amazing in giving me a bit more of a steer and just showing me the ropes in enablement.
1: Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's relationships that are invaluable. If you find a mentor, it's certainly worthwhile to really foster that relationship and nurture that there's oftentimes benefits for both sides, not only for the people receiving advice, but also for the person giving advice. So I think that's something to be wary of as well for young self enablers who are kind of hesitating to reach out to more senior enablers in their network. I think there's no reason to be shy on that front. I think it's certainly worthwhile trying to establish those relationships. Yeah. And speaking of mentorship programs, there's a lot of mentorship programs out there that offer a more formalized framework for young sales enablers to find mentors. From your point of view, like what would the perfect mentorship program look like? What is really something that you would be looking for in a mentorship program?
0: In terms of a mentorship program, I'm a big storyteller and I like hearing stories. I like hearing from people that have actually done the role. And I think in my very humble opinion, anyone looking to mentor an enablement professional needs to have done that role themselves and actually have war stories and sales speak about what has been impactful, what hasn't worked, which can be even more beneficial at times. I need someone that's gotten on their proverbial hands and knees and has experienced putting programs together, built really long lasting, impactful business partnerships and has overseen those projects from start to finish which have had considerable impact on revenue or not, as the case may be. Ultimately, in terms of the mentorship program, I think experience is key, but it also has to be partnered with empathy. Just having someone that's willing to give their time and listen to what has or hasn't gone well and then provide that empathy and that support in maybe how to rectify that or maybe something that's happened well for them. Just giving that structure, I think, would just be invaluable in a mentoring program, especially at this early start for enablement.
1: In terms of your advice to the next generation of enablers, what would your advice be to those new people entering sales enablement who might be considering working in sales enablement for the first time?
0: I think it does help if you've been in the sales role yourself because you can empathize and you've also had that experience of building relationships with senior leaders, with C-levels, with business partners. I would say that relationship building is obviously key in most jobs, but especially in enablement. And I think that's something that I, maybe a lot of my colleagues or a lot of people that I've spoken to, sometimes it's a lot easier than others to build those relationships, depending on the audience that you're speaking to. I know that it's something that's talked about a lot in the enablement communities I'm in, but you really need to be able to build those great relationships with everyone that you interact with because enablement is so new. So whether it's marketing or sales leaders, recruiting, operations, you know, the list goes on. The reps you support, crucial to be able to speak to them about what's working and what's not. Even clients to understand their buying experience and where your reps can improve. And I think it really relates back to the fact that because enablement is so new, every single interaction that you have with an individual will shape how they view enablement and also how they understand what it can do for their organization. What helped me in the past few years is obviously we need to level set. We need to have that introductory meeting when you go into a new space, when you go into a new company. So you not only need to come to a meeting with prep work for yourself, but seeing that prep work through the lens of someone who doesn't necessarily know what you do, how can what you do relate back to them? How does what you're presenting help them achieve their goals? It sounds flippant, but honestly, why should they care about what you're presenting? I think it just echoes back to the basic natures of human psychology. People love talking about themselves and they will frame any interaction or any experience through their lens. And I think being able to capture that and communicating that will ensure that you essentially just get a great working relationship right up front.
1: That's awesome Mm -hmm. advice. Rosie, thank you so much for joining today. If people want to connect with you and continue the conversation, where can they find you?
0: Yeah, people can connect with me on LinkedIn, the professional network. My URL is Rosie Young, and that's R-O-S-I-Y-O-U-N-G. There's no E on there. I'm sure you're going to provide a link, Felix, so I don't need to spell out my name anymore. I also have a sales enablement Twitter account that I occasionally forget the password to, so the content is slightly more sporadic than I'd like. But I would love to connect on either channel there. I'm also around on the Slack enablement channel, as I previously mentioned, so feel free to drop me a message on there too.
1: Awesome! Thank you so much, Rosie.
0: Of course. next time on the State of Sales Enablement. So there's more independence. There's more flexibility. I think more authority to create your own content as well.
1: So the new skill set is how open you are to starting conversations, to
0: making connections with people you will probably never see.